with you guys. Um, it's lovely to see lots of friends. Um, it's exciting for, for Flick and I. Uh, it's great to meet loads of new people who we don't know. Um, that's exciting. And yeah, it's great. One of the, one of the things we, we look back on is just what a, a great time we had in Manchester. We loved it here. We loved being part of, of the plant. It's now Grace Church. Um, one of the regrets of our ministry life is that we only got to serve with Mike and Melissa for a month. Um, we, we loved it. Um, the Lord has blessed you guys with, with a great pastor um, and his family. Um, and, and yeah, thank you for inviting us today to, to hang out with you, to see you um, and to teach you. I'm going to pray um, as we, as we start, start looking at this. Gracious Father, you are a God who, who is so different to any God we would invent that you would send your son not to be served, but to serve, is incredible. You know, Christ deserves and could command the absolute service of the cosmos, and yet he chooses to serve us. Father, we pray today that you would send your spirit so that we would understand from your word the sort of God you are, that we would stop worshipping false images of you and your son and fall in wonder and delight at the feet of Jesus Christ once again. Great Father, please, would you do more than we can ask or imagine in our hearts and our lives and in this church. Amen. Um, that's not working, but we can click to the next slide if someone can do that. Um, this is where we're heading um, in the talk. We, we've got five kind of points. Um, this first talk is called The Misery of Serving Jesus. Um, because I think that is often our reality. I talked earlier about that, that shift in, in my thinking, in my heart, where I went from finding serving Jesus just a natural, delightful thing to a chore and a burden. And I've seen that in, in loads of Christians I've known. And often the keenest guys, the guys who pitch up an hour before everyone else to plug in PA kit, um, the guys who are there at the end stacking chairs, the guys who are making meals and popping them round to the family that have just had illness or a baby or, or whatever, um, and no one else. And it's often that the keenest guys, the guys who who are the, the backbone of a church, the guys the pastor goes to when something needs doing. And, and I've talked to loads of those men and women and found people who are weary. Um, a friend said to me, he said, I think that my faith in Christ has died underneath the weight of my service of Christ, which is terrifying, isn't it? That his, his love of Jesus, his trust in Jesus had gone and, and he, he echoed, he says, he said, I just breathe a sigh of relief when I drive away from church on a Sunday evening that is over for another week. So what happens? How do we, how do, we do this? Because this isn't right, this is sin. To serve Christ with that heart is sinful. How do we, how do we end up there? What goes wrong? Um, how does serving Jesus become a misery? Well, I think there's... There's different things we do, um, and I'm going to try and unpack some of them, and, and I think some of them will probably resonate in your life, um, maybe not all of them. Um, I said that to the editor of the book, 
And, and he emailed back and said, actually, John, these are all me. Um, <laughs> it's not fair that you told me I might not be caught by some of these. Um, they're all me as well. And I don't want you to think this is something that I've kind of got past, that, you know, years ago I suffered with this. Um, this last week I was seriously grumpy because of Felicity smiling, because it's true, um, because of, of just a ton of emails I had to deal with. I just had a really busy week, a ton of emails, and then a big kind of parcel kind of situation came along that was important to be involved in. The Lord had clearly put me in, but I just didn't want it. I had, I had to get ready for a conference. I had to get stuff packed, ready to go up to Manchester. I just, and I was just grumpy and, and fed up with the, the work that the Almighty Lord, in his kindness, had asked me to do. Um, so this is not theoretical for me. I'm preaching to myself as well. Okay, why do we serve Jesus wrongly? Um, I think for some of us, it's because we want to be good enough for Jesus. We want to know that, that we are on his A-team, that we can be used by him. Um, I remember a few years back when things were quite tough in Norfolk, um, saying, am I really called to this? It doesn't seem to be going right. Am, am I good enough for this ministry? Am I, am I meant to be doing this? Am I good enough for Jesus? I want to know that I'm good enough. I want to serve him hard to know that I'm good enough, um, that I am, I am one of the good guys. Um, and that, that can easily kind of flip into trying to earn salvation. Um, we try to serve Jesus and do good stuff to earn his love and his salvation. Now, we don't do that kind of directly. We don't think, if I read my Bible, then I will be forgiven for my sins. We're not that stupid. But have you ever done this? You, you, I don't know, you, you sin in something. Maybe you go out and you have too many drinks and you get a little bit tipsy, and the next morning you spend just a bit longer reading the Bible and praying, because you've kind of got to make up for it. Um, it's almost like, oh, I've done this sin, now I've got to do this. You know, maybe you, you come to church and you've been furious with the kids that morning, really grumpy and angry, um, and the pastor says, hey, we're looking for someone to um, help out at the, the event next week to help kind of organise it and set it up and stuff. And you think, oh, yeah, I better say yes, because I've been so rotten, I kind of need to pay God back. Um, we kind of try and earn our salvation. Um, maybe that's not you. Maybe you want to get something from Jesus. You, you serve Jesus to get something. Now, we don't, again, normally do that in an upfront way, it's normally the reverse. Um, it's normally not Jesus, if I do X, Y, and Z, will you give me this? You know, that's how the, the pagan gods worked. Um, you know, I've got to go on a long sea voyage, I'm a bit worried that the weather looks a bit stormy. I know, I'll kill a goat and I'll pour its blood into the sea to the sea god, and, and that's the deal. I give you a goat, you give me a safe journey. Um, we've got a deal, Neptune, yep, we've got a deal, great. Uh, we don't do it quite like that, but we do it in reverse. Um, Jesus, I have served you faithfully for years. I've led Bible study groups, I've done one-on-one -on -one meetings. Whenever I've been asked to do anything, I've said yes. And all my friends are married and I'm not. You owe me. That's what we're saying in our hearts. You, you owe me. Jesus, we've been trying for a child for years. And, and I've done so much for you. Jesus, you, you owe me. We serve him to get something. It's not just big things either. Um, remember a, a bit ago went through a phase where our little girl was getting out of bed a lot at night. And I remember one Friday night, I was absolutely furious with her. 
for, for keeping getting out of bed. Really, really angry. And I was thinking, what, what is that? What's going on? And it was because it had been a tough week. I'd been um, doing things in the other evenings, uh, ministry, and I'd been working hard. And, and Jesus owed me Friday night. That's what was going on in my head. Jesus owed me a night off with um, a video that involved swords and bad dialogue and, <laughs> and a, a curry or a beer or whatever. He owed me that rest. I'd done my bit. This is the least you can do for me, Jesus. And, and we do that. We serve him to, to earn something from him. What does he owe you? Does he owe you a holiday? Does he owe you converts? Does he owe you fame? Does he owe you status in the church? Does he owe you um, a husband, a wife, a child, a good job, a promotion? It might not be that he owes you something. It might be you want to pay him back. Um, I think we often use this, you know, Christ has died for you. It's the least you can do to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least you can do to turn up early and set up the chairs. It's the least you can do to love your neighbour and share the gospel with them. It's the, it's the kind of, we need to pay him back. Problem with that is, is when you stop and think about it, it's, it's quite difficult because he died and took your sin. And as he hung on the cross, he faced the anger and wrath of God at your wickedness. He went through hell for you. How many cups of tea do you need to make? <laughs> to pay someone back for enduring hell on your behalf. How many missionaries do you need to pray for? Um, <laughs> quite a lot. You, you can't do it, but, but we try. We, we serve Jesus wrongly because we have a wrong view of God. And then we serve Jesus wrongly, and, and I think this is even more powerful, because we have a wrong view of people. Whose opinion do you care about? Who in Grace Church could you not say no to because you value their respect too much? You know, maybe it's Mike as the pastor. If, if he asks you to do something, well, of course you're flattered that the pastor's spotted you and, and sees that you have gifts and, and is giving you an opportunity to serve. You think, yeah, I want Mike to think well of me. God's appointed in the pastor. I want his good opinion. Oh, yeah. And, and then it subtly becomes that you, you just make sure you are always stacking chairs when Mike's in the room, or, or Joe, or, or John, or Matt as the elders. You kind of, you, you always, it's a bit like um, if you're at work one evening and you've got some work to do, you stay a bit late, you get home and you find that you've got an email from um, your manager and she says, just wanted to say thank you, I noticed you were still at your desk at six o'clock, um, impressed with your dedication, good work. So you think, oh, that's nice, she noticed, great, I didn't realise she was there. Well, the next night, it's five o'clock, you notice that your manager's still in her office. And you've not got any work to do, but you think, oh, maybe I'll check Facebook at work rather than at home. <laughs> and, and she'll notice. And it's, it's a subtle shift, isn't it, from being encouraged by the fact that, that someone you respect has noticed your work, has encouraged you in Christ, and then looking for that and working hard to get it. Um, it, it doesn't just apply to kind of the guys in church who are, are appointed by the Lord to, to oversee the church. It, it applies to us as well. Um, I want to impress you. you know, I, I want you to think I'm a great preacher. It's horrible, isn't it? I'm standing here 
and I am battling to preach to the glory of Jesus, not the glory of John. And part of the way I battle it, I tell you. Um, I tell my church all the time, they're so bored. Um, <laughs> but, but it's a struggle. I want you to, to laugh. I want you to tell me that I've done a good job. Now, of course, that's a right thing for you to do to encourage someone who's come to, to preach God's word. But, but I should not preach because I want that. You know, we, we want, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your, maybe it's your wife or your husband. You, you serve for the approval of other people. Now, for some people, um, that's because you, you know you're awesome. Um, pride works in different ways. There's some people who know they are God's gift to the church. And, and they just find it bizarre when people don't recognise it. Um, <laughs> I've got a friend like this. I was talking to him about pride, and he was saying that's how he struggles. He knows he is the best preacher in the country. It's just weird, but not everyone else does. Um, <laughs> um, for me, it's not like that. I think that's a bit unusual, but it is there, which I wanted to mention that. For me, it's not like that. I don't, want, I don't think I'm awesome. Um, I, I want to belong. Um, second Bridget Jones film, uh, there's a bit where, where Bridget's talking to a, a lawyer who's, who's not kind of on the in crowd, and he says, don't you ever worry that someone is going to say, Bridget Jones, you are ridiculous. Get out. Um, that fear that you don't quite belong and at any moment, someone's going to realise it, and, and it's over. Um, I, I want to belong. I want to be part of the in crowd. I want to be accepted. Um, I remember at school, uh, we had a, a head boy. He was um, captain, I think, of the first 11 cricket team. He was in the first 15 rugby team. He was a straight A, A-level student. Um, he was capable in every way you could think. And he was a really nice guy. Um, and I was nothing like him. Um, and, and I just wanted to be the kind of guy who just everyone naturally liked and wanted to include. I wanted to be in. And, and so I want people to tell me that I'm in. I want them to tell me that I matter, that I'm significant, that I'm loved. As though being drawn into the family of the Trinity by the love of Christ was not enough. Mm. I, I want it from other people. I give people the status that only the Lord God should have. And I neglect what he has given me, that I am a son of the Heavenly Father, that I'm in that inner circle. Not, you know, then what, what does another one matter? Well, it might be that you're needed. Let's, um, let's look at someone who was needed. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's on page 1042 in the Bibles here at, at Union Hall, the kind of maroony ones. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. <clears throat> this is the only time in the New Testament Jesus got something wrong. It's really interesting. Um, Luke chapter 10, so that was a joke. Um, Luke chapter 10, people are like, what's, what's this? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> so I'll pull him off quick. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, that's their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by herself? By myself, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. Think, Jesus, what are you doing? No one's ever going to do anything in the church after this. <laughs> you know, the church relies on Martha's. And, and isn't Martha just exemplary of the kind of, of Christian we want in our churches? Jesus and his disciples pitch up. It's not just Jesus. There's like probably, well, there's the 12. There's probably a few others as well. There's maybe 20 people have turned up. They need places to sleep. They need food. They need drink. They need to be able to wash. And, and Martha sees the needs and she, she just cracks on with it. You know, she doesn't win. She doesn't complain. She doesn't say, Jesus, you could have warned me. You could have sent someone ahead. She doesn't say, well, some of you disciples are going to have to sleep somewhere else. She just gets on with it. She's hospitable. She's serving Christ. And her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, talking to him, listening to his teaching. And, and Martha goes, this is bonkers. There is so much to be done. This is wrong. This is wrong. Jesus, tell her to help me. Um, she's kind of that, like, I don't know. She wants to make a little bit of a scene of it. Um, so she doesn't just say, Mary, come on, help me. She's like, Jesus, tell her to help me. Tell my friend that I'm not speaking to her. Yeah, she's a little bit like that, Martha. Um, and then Jesus just reorientates her vision. He says, Martha, you see a bunch of guys have turned up and they need serving. Mary sees that the Son of God is in her house and she wants to listen. That's right. And, and you can imagine Martha going, but, 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 what about the, she says 5,000 with five loaves, two fish. I, don't worry about the dinner. I can sort that out later. I, that is not important. I can do those things. What is important is that I'm here and I love you and I want to spend time with you. Your God has come to your house. Get out of the kitchen and talk to him. We, we often think we need it. It's, it's how I, I try not to, I still do it. But it's how for years I motivated people. There just isn't anyone else. I know, I know you've been doing the PA desk for years. I know you've been um, busy this week. I know you've had a, a tough time, but I, just, you're just so good at it. And I'm just not sure there's anyone else. You just do another six months, and then we'll, we'll see if we can find someone else. To... It's so easy to, it's a mixture of flattery and guilt. Um, but we need to do this, you know, the church needs a, a children's work. Um, and, you know, who else is going to teach the children? We've, we've advertised. No one, no one else has stepped forward. You can't, you just can't give it up. Come on. It's so easy. You'll need it. Or maybe it's just habit. I said I'd come, so I'd better prepare some talks. Um, you know, I'm on the rotor. Just turn up and do it. Um, it's just habit. It's, it's no, no different to any other job. You know, put out the bins, preach a sermon, put out the <laughs> bins, do the children's work, hoover the house, prepare the Bible study. It's just all the same. Just work that needs doing. Now, I've got a little um, kind of diagnostic tool um, to help you work out if you serve wrongly. Um, I find this helpful. I know if my heart is wrong, if I'm not praying by myself. Of course, I pray with other people because I want people to respect me. That's the whole issue, isn't it? If you're a pastor, you don't pray with people, then they don't respect you. But if I prepare a sermon 
and I don't spend time in prayer as I do so, then do, do I think I can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in my own strength? Do I think I can hold out the words of life? Do I think I can change people's hearts, that I can raise the dead spiritually to life? Of course I can't. So, so why would I pray? If you practice the songs, but only pray when you're together on Sunday morning with the other musicians, do you think you can sing in your own strength, in a way that honours God, or you can play your guitar, your drums, your, your keyboard to the glory of Christ in your own strength? Do you think you can get chairs out in a way that serves the church family without praying as you do so, that the people who sit on those chairs would be blessed by, by the meeting? We, we do these things ourselves, and I think if we're prayerless, that's what tells us that, that something's wrong. And, <clears throat> and in one sense, it doesn't matter which of these mistakes you're making. It doesn't really matter why your service is wrong, because the, the antidote is, is the same. But, but first, um, you might be thinking, well, well, that's fine. I don't serve. I'm clearly getting it right. I'm more like Mary than Martha. Um, whenever I'm asked to do something, I say no. Um, <laughs> and you're feeling smug at the minute. Um, let me suggest that there is a chance that you are sitting at the feet of your Xbox, not at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> um, that, that actually we can not serve for wrong reasons too. That's not the, the thrust of our talk. It might be that you're not a Christian. And the reason you're not is you've been put off by, by what you see in other people. I've heard people say, well, I like what I hear, but when I see how miserable all my Christian friends are and how they talk about church, I'm not sure I want anything to do with that. You go, wow, that, that is an indictment of a church. It might be that you're, you're not a Christian. The thing that's making you nervous is you're thinking, I, I like Jesus and what I hear about him. I'm not sure I like the, the rotors and the, the organisation, the things I need to do. I'm not, I'm, it just feels like well, well, it isn't like that. We, we make it like that. We get drawn into it. Um, it's the first lie that Satan told. Does God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden? God doesn't want you to be happy. God's, God's a, bit, he's a bit of a taskmaster. He likes rules. Mm. He likes obedience. He doesn't like you. It's, it's the lie he keeps whispering, you know, God will only love you if you work hard. You say no to what, what the elders have asked you to do. Well, that's you finished for being a keen Christian, isn't it? You know, that's what he says. What does it do? Our service destroys us. Um, it destroys us when we succeed because it makes us proud. Uh, you look at the Pharisees. Jesus spent, the Sadducees were much more wrong, weren't they? The Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in anything. Um, they, they just, pretty kind of liberal bunch. The Pharisees, they, they searched the scriptures anxiously. They memorized scripture. They loved their Bibles. Um, they worked hard to obey the Lord. Why, why does Jesus spend so much time having to go at the Pharisees, not the Sadducees? Well, I think it's because he knew what we'd end up, mm. that that's our danger. We're not in danger of being Sadducees, we're in danger of being Pharisees. And they were so proud. 
And Jesus says, you tithe your mint and your rue and your cumin, and yet you neglect justice and the love of God. And you're so anxious to have the approval of God and the approval of men that when you go to make a cup of mint tea, you go one, two, three, four leaves for me and half a leaf for God. You tithe your, your garden herbs. You give a tenth to the temple when you chop your garden herbs. But you don't love God and you don't carry out justice to people. It's like, whoa, you, you don't love God but you keep all the rules. You do all the external stuff to try to earn God's favour, but you don't love him. You probably hate him because he's a taskmaster. It destroys you when you succeed, it makes you proud, and it destroys you when you fail because you despair. However well things go, you despair. Elijah sees the, the prophets of Baal um, killed. He sees the fire fall from heaven as God shows that he is the Lord that he is the only God. Surely now the revival will come and Israel will be transformed. And then he gets the message that Jezebel still hates him and still still kill him. And no one springs to his defense and he realizes that nothing has changed. All his service, all his sacrificing for the Lord, all his courage, and it doesn't seem like it's made any difference. And he's completely despairing. He runs and says, it would be better that I die, Lord. Because he tied in his his love of God with, with the results of his service of God. And when it all went wrong, he was destroyed. He despaired. And the thing is, actually, we'll always fail. That's why the Pharisees were so judgmental. They were terrified of anyone knowing them. Because we all muck up. We all, we all get it wrong. We all don't serve as well on the inside as we do on the outside. We're all sitting thinking, oh, Struth, when was the last time I prayed about my music practice? <laughs> I've never prayed setting up chairs. Is that guy bonkers? Um, <laughs> we, we fail and, and we despair. And, and that means, depending on your temperament, you either give up or try harder. But neither takes you back to Jesus. And that's why our service is wicked sin, because it makes it about me. I'm standing here tempted to rob Jesus of his glory because it's all about my service, what I do, what people think of me, what God thinks of me. It's all about me. Jesus says that the, the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. If I serve Jesus or serve you and I'm not loving Jesus and loving you, I am breaking the law, I am sinning. Preaching the gospel truly can be done sinfully, if I'm doing it for my glory. Singing great songs of praise to God, whether you're singing them there or singing them there, can be done sinfully. Um, serving hard in church, making um, the teas and the coffees in the breaks today can be done sinfully. We, we like to think of sins as what we do. If I'm out in the evening getting drunk, I'm sinning. If I'm at the church prayer meeting, I'm being righteous. And one of the things that flipped it for me was realizing that's not the case. So, so imagine it's, it's a church prayer meeting night and it's the FA Cup final night. And you, you think, oh, I wish I could stay at home and watch the footy. But I need to, I need to go, I need to go to the prayer meeting. Um, last Sunday, Mike stood up, he said there weren't many there last time. 
Um, I feel a bit guilty. Um, <laughs> it's not fair, is it? Um, <laughs> I, I need to go to the prayer meeting. You know, I know that, I know that Joe's going, he leads our small group, and he'll notice if I'm not there. Right, I'll go to the prayer meeting. You go to the prayer meeting, um, when you think no one's looking, you're checking the score, and your, your heart's not there. You're serving for the, the respect of others. Another guy thinks, oh, it's church prayer meeting tonight. Oh, it's the footy. Thank you, Jesus, that I am free to watch the footy this time. I love praying to you, but I know if I go, my heart won't be in it, and I won't be thinking about it, and I won't be thinking of you. So, so Lord, thank you that there's grace, that I can stay at home and I can watch the match, um, and, and I can do so with my heart fixed on you. You see, you can stay at home and watch the footy, and that be righteousness, and you can go to the prayer meeting, and that be sin. And, and of course, we want to, to be those who love praying to God, but I used to think that it was automatic righteousness to go to the prayer meeting and automatic sin to stay and watch the football. It isn't. You can stay and watch the football sinfully. You can go to the prayer meeting righteously. I'm not trying to flip it. But, but God cares about what's in our heart as well as about where our feet go, and what comes out of our mouths, what's in our hands. If, if we do not love the Lord our God, if we do not love others, then we're sinning. And that is slavery. Um, sin is a, a wearying slavery. It is weary, it is exhausting, it kills our faith and it puts off others. Um, I don't know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I remember thinking, I, I, I hate what they teach, I think it's horrible, but um, if, even if it was, even if I liked what they taught, the fact that you know that if you sign up to it, you're gonna spend every Saturday morning walking around knocking on doors. I just kind of think, why would you want that? You know, it's kind of what, what they're selling is not attractive um, in two senses. You know, they have a, a nasty view of God that he's not loved, that he's all by himself, soul. Um, there's no community, there's no love in their God. Um, but, but there's also a, a, a need to work hard because their God is a taskmaster who says you must go out on Saturday mornings and knock on doors. Um, and I think often our God is like that. We're just the same. Our God says, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. And we are weary and we're exhausted. And when we share the gospel with our friends, it's because we, we worship a God who says, you must share the gospel with your friends or I will be mighty annoyed. And, and so we do. And we do it begrudgingly. And we do it in a weary way. And the danger is we put people off. We share the best news there is in the worst way we can. So... Please stop it. And, and by that, I mean, maybe you should stop serving. Now, you might not need to, and I'm going to spend the rest of the day suggesting why you might want to keep serving, but I really mean this. If you can't imagine stopping doing whatever it is you do in church, Whatever it is you do for Christ, it doesn't have to be what you do on a Sunday. It might be what you do during the week, what you do to serve the church family, the, the Bible studies you do one-on-one, -on -one, the meals you cook, the cups of tea you make. If you can't imagine stopping doing that, then you're in trouble. If Jesus needs you as an elder of this church, then he is not Lord. Jesus managed without you on the PA desk before you came along. Jesus managed without your Bible study skills, hard though it is to believe.
Um, this, is, this is hard to believe. It's very hard to believe as a pastor. Uh, we put it into practice. Um, I, I was kind of caught. I'd been teaching this sort of stuff, so I had to go with it. Um, when our musicians said, we're just a bit exhausted, can we have a break? And you think, well, but we need to sing. And I just felt Jesus saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. You need me. And actually, we don't. We have weeks without music because I think it's more important that our musicians enjoy serving Christ when they play and sing than that they feel they ought to play and sing so the rest of us can, can sing songs in praise of God. Actually, we don't need to sing. Um, we don't actually need every week a sermon, I realised. Um, there was one week where I just felt rough. I had a really bad headache. I went to lie down before the meeting. Um, and I just couldn't. I couldn't preach. There was no one else I could ask to step in at, at minus 10 minutes notice. Um, and, and Felicity said, look, don't worry. People are chatting. Someone's put the kettle on. This group of people have got their Bibles out. They're talking about something. Um, another group of people are praying together. Um, of course we need to have the Word of God preached to us. Of course we do. But actually, if there's a week where the preacher can't preach, Jesus seems to be able to still be Lord of the church and bless his people. <laughs> Even if I'm the preacher. And that is a bizarre thing to me. Um, <laughs> it was very hard for me to believe that, lying there groaning, feeling sorry for myself. Maybe Jesus would rather not have a children's ministry than have a weary, begrudging one that would imply to the children that he is a harsh taskmaster. Maybe he wants your heart more than he wants your hands. Maybe he loves you more than he loves your preaching. <coughs> Giving something up may help, uh, may be right and helpful, but there's something else that helps far more. And this is the verse that, that changed it all for me. It's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is where we're gonna um, finish this first talk. <coughs> Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It's the passage that Mike read earlier. Page 1015, if you're using the um, Union Hall Bibles. Page 1015. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Um, the, the disciples have been serving for wrong reasons. They're telling Jesus that they, they are serving because they want to sit at his right and left in glory. Um, they really don't know what they're asking because one of them is asking to be God the Father. Um, because the one at the, <laughs> Jesus is at the right hand of God, so the one on the left of Jesus is God the Father. So um, they really are above their station. Um, and Jesus gives them himself as an example, but the way he does so also tells them that their service doesn't matter. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You are not a servant of Jesus until you are first served by Jesus. I think we have made our identity as being servants. We see ourselves as servants of Christ. We are not. We are served by Christ. He is the King of Kings, and of course he could command our service. Of course he deserves our service. Of course we should serve him, but that isn't how he sees it. That isn't why he came. He came to be served. So he came to serve, not to be served. He came to serve. 
There is one sort of glory, a glorious leader who, who commands the love and respect of his followers. You can imagine a, a king on a battlefield whose men would, would die for him. They love him. Um, they, they would follow him um, into, into the gates of hell itself because they love their king. You, you get it. Um, that kind of love's captured in Lord of the Rings. I love the Lord of the Rings books and films. Uh, Battle of Helm's Deep, um, the good guys, are, they're, they're surrounded. Theoden is ridden out from the castle. He's the king. Um, there's about a dozen of them. They're surrounded by the enemies and they're making a desperate last stand. And the cavalry arrive, Aomer, on the top of the hill. And he points down, he says, Theoden, your king fights alone. And he doesn't even need to shout charge. The men so love their king they charge down the hill into battle. They are not going to see their king fight alone. They will fight at his side. That is glorious. But there is another sort of king who steps up instead of his people, who sees that no one can fight the giant, the warrior skilled from hundreds of battles, nine foot tall, armed and armoured. And he picks up a sling and five smooth stones. And he says, it's OK, I'll handle it. I know you can't do it. Stand back. I will take him down. And, and he fights and he wins the battle. And his people pillage the baggage train. And that is the glory of Jesus Christ. He says, you can't do it. You can't take sin. You can't take death. You can't save yourselves. You can't bring yourselves back to God. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. That is the extent of my service of you. I will say, step back, I've got it covered. And I will be hoisted on a cross. I'll be nailed through the hands. And under the wrath and anger of God, I will die your death. I will take your hell. I will give you my love and my freedom. I have come to serve you even unto death. And, and that is who I am. That is my nature. I am the servant king. I am, I am, yes, you will want to serve me. Yes, I am so glorious that you will be changed by my love that you will give your lives to me, of course. But that is not how it starts. It starts with him giving his life for us. It starts with him serving us. It is all about his service of us. And we can only get our service of him in the right place if we, if we get his service of us first. Um, and, and basically the way it's going to work is the next talk we, today we're going to look at how Jesus serves us and, and just how far that goes. And then we're going to, in the third talk, look at what that does to our service of him and how it, it completely transforms it. Um, but this verse is, is the critical one. This is the one that changed everything for me. Even the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking of himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve you. And he would rather you sat at his feet and let him than that you tried to push him out of the way and served him. Mm. Let's pray. Amen. Gracious Father, I confess, even as I preach this, I, I struggle to believe it. Um, I look at my life, at my heart, and I am so wicked. I serve you for all sorts of wrong reasons, even, even as I stand here now. Thank you that you forgive hypocrites as well as other sorts of sinners. And Father, thank you that you sent your son to serve us because our service is 
is pitiful, it's, it's wrong-headed, it's sinful, it's wicked, it, and it becomes slavery when we get it wrong. And yet you just don't leave us there. Time and again, you come for us. You are the God who, who sent his son in love for us. You are the God who comes and rescues us. You are the God who knows our weaknesses. We have a high priest, Jesus Christ, at your side, who knows our temptations and our weaknesses, and who, who intercedes on our behalf, who forgives us, who pleads our cause, who serves us even now in heaven. Father, thank you that your son is the servant and that we are not. I pray today you would, you would work in us so that Christ is our servant, so that we give him that greatest of, of glories, that we praise him as the one who does everything, that we acknowledge that we do nothing, and that we, we say it is all in Christ, it is all from Christ. He is our all in all, so that our hearts would love him and so that we would be his. Amen.